Hello, and welcome to the Excellence Exchange Podcast. I'm your host, Sharon Hulst, president of ERG Executive Search, a nationwide executive search firm based in Appleton, Wisconsin. Today, we are joined by a friend of mine, an industry titan, and the visionary CEO and founder of Blue Signal Search. With a trailblazing growth rate, unwavering commitment to excellence, and an innovative approach to recruiting, our guest has absolutely redefined executive search. Beyond his numerous acclimates, uh, such as Arizona business leader, two-time Titan CEO, and many other awards, which we'll talk about, he is a force for positive change impacting global businesses and the community at large. Get ready for a deep dive into his journey, leadership insights, and the secret behind Blue Signal's unparalleled success. I am so excited to welcome my friend and fellow Pinnacle member, Matt Walsh. Welcome, Matt. Thank you, Sharon. That um, I got a tear in my eye just hearing that intro. That was so kind of you. Uh, <laughs> humbled, honored, uh, so excited that you asked me to be on it. I uh, really appreciate the opportunity. Well, you can tell that I love you because we, we don't tend to have a lot of people who are in the same industry, but you are such an innovation leader and a fellow Titan that I just absolutely said we needed to bring you on to talk about your journey. So you've had a flourishing career, significant, significant impact in executive search. Uh, I'd love to kick things off by just give us an overview of your journey. What led you even to get into executive recruiting to begin with? Good question. Um, I, like most, fell into it. I think I got out of school with a dual major in finance and insurance. I thought I was going in for an interview for a financial analyst at an insurance company. And so I went through the whole interview. They said, hey, you're qualified. Things are great. We'll go ahead and send you on this interview. Um, said a couple other inappropriate things about careful. She might sexually harass you a little bit, but you're definitely going to get the job. I was like, whoa, okay. Um, <laughs> what is this all about? And they said, or have you thought about uh, professional recruiting? And I said, well, what's that? Jerry Maguire had come out a little bit before that. So they said, mm-hmm. it's just like Jerry Maguire for professionals. Uh, and I, at the time I said, you know what? That's great. Maybe I can see all the finance careers and see what it would take to be a CFO or something big in finance. Uh, I'll see what I need to do on my resume. I'll be able to interact with these folks maybe do it for six months, a year, and then go into the corporate world. So let's give it a go. And I started with an MRI office out of O'Hare, Dick Mm -hmm. and Anita Kurz, uh, most amazing people ever. Very, very blessed Mm -hmm. to be part of them, that organization. And uh, I set a couple records early off and um, the rest was off to the races. I really just really enjoyed it. I I love what I was doing. And at that point, uh, couldn't keep me away from it. So I've been doing it ever since. How did you end up in Arizona? So... When I decided to start Blue Signal, um, my wife was in e-discovery, which is um, a field in the legal profession where they do a lot of doc review and big uh, litigation cases where there's a bunch of discovery that goes back and forth. And it was the middle of winter in Chicago. It was snowing and sleeting. She was going down the blue line in her heels and she got a call from a recruiter. And I said, well, you always take a call from a recruiter no matter what. So she did. And uh, she actually got offered two jobs, one in Phoenix and one in Nashville. Um, and I said, let's go. I'm, I'm fine. I'm open to a new chapter. And so we moved out to Phoenix sight unseen. I'd actually never been out here before and loved it so much. Now we've been here almost 12 years. Yeah, that's amazing. So one of the things when people look up, you look up blue signals, uh, website, 
excellence is a word that that is really um, prevalent through all of your materials. Uh, I want to know how have you created a culture where that excellence is influenced day by day in your operations and and even in your long term vision. How have you uh, woven that into your company? Great question. Uh, so you're, you're absolutely right. Excellence is one of our core values and it's stuck with me ever since the beginning when I got into recruiting. Um, I heard from many that recruiting was not as favorably viewed. Some folks said that there's a lot of ways to skip corners and a lot of ways to do unethical things and still blew my mind that that was out there, but it was. And so I always wanted to do what's right, what's best, and just be as excellent as I possibly could. And when I started the company, that was just who I was and how I decided to do it. I want to recruit better than anybody else. Um, I want to be memorable and I want to be excellent. And I wish I could tell you that I read all these books and I blueprinted out how to build this culture and how to do all this. But really, I think it the majority of it came from just leading by example. I, I'd come in and I'd do everything the, the best I possibly could. I'd have no problem putting in 15, 16 hour days, doing whatever it takes to be the best. And luckily, I was able to hire some really good people who would actually see me doing it and decide to follow the lead. So if you were asked how to build that type of culture, um, the only answer I know is just lead by example. Be out in front. Be willing to do what no one else is willing to do. Go go out. Push your team. Help your team. Get in the trenches and make sure that they know that you're you're willing to be excellent across all fronts and do whatever it takes. And typically, they'll follow. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, and Dick and Anita, I knew that I met them, obviously, when I was a baby recruiter 27 years ago, and they were absolutely that way as well. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say this slow because it's pretty amazing. You've had 351% growth in the last three years. 351%. When I read that, I thought maybe that it was a typo and we had an extra number in there, but it's not. 351% growth. So you got to shed some light on were there pivotal moments, um, decisions that catapulted your trajectory? What are some things that when you look back on the last three years that were, especially we had COVID in that mix as well. So what are some things that sort of were pivotal to that success? Oh boy. So Yes, I do. Growth is excitement. I feel like that mm -hmm. is probably the only speed we know over here because we do it so often. Um, one thing you should know about me is I do like a good amount of risk. Um, my, my ongoing joke is that I'm, I'm really a professional poker player. Um, I just do recruiting on the side. The only problem in order to be considered a professional poker player, you actually have to make money to do it. So I haven't crossed that threshold yet. <laughs> but um, I, I like risk. I like growth. I like trusting people. I like believing in people. And I, I, every time I've hired a lot of folks over here and there's a good amount that have worked out. There's of course some that haven't, as you know, recruiting, there's a, a high level mm -hmm. of turnover, but I'm a firm believer of let's hire, let's give everybody a chance. Let's see what they can possibly do. Let's, let's alarm, or not alarm them, but I'll, I'll make them aware of all the risk and what it's all involved. Um, but at the end of the day, I love giving people a chance. I love pushing it. I love doing whatever we can to help that growth. And we've just been fortunate because the last two years in recruiting have been very, very good for us because of the certain industries that we were in. But it didn't start that way. Uh, I'll share a story with you right when COVID hit. Um, I remember the NBA had just shut down. And that's when everybody goes, oh, no, this is a real thing. And for us, we had just hired nine new recruiters. Um, yes, nine that were, wow. uh, I think it was February, the Valentine's Day weekend. or That, that was when they, they all started. 
So here we are a couple of weeks in, nine new people, COVID hits. I had a couple of clients actually say, hey, can that person get their job back? Hey, we can't pay your fee. Uh, lots of them pausing rules, putting everything on hold. And of mm -hmm. course I panicked and I, I tried to get advice. What should I do? I got advice from one end of the spectrum that says, you just need to fire everybody and collect all your receivables and hope that you get by. The other person said, you just need to hire as many as you can and grow, uh, take as much debt as you can and it'll, it'll come out in the end. And so I landed in the middle and I, I didn't fire anybody. I don't think we had to let anybody go, thank goodness. Uh, but what we did do is we pivoted into certain key industries. So respiratory therapists, nursing, anything I'm thinking, what, how can we help this whole COVID event? And um, we did some things that we probably shouldn't have because my model, um, as I mentioned before, with the excellence, there's just a lot that goes into it. There's several steps on each side. And I know recruiters from you know, Robert Half and big companies have come to me and said, Matt, that is way too many steps. Forget it. I'm not going to go through that. Uh, but we do that, and that's just what we've done. Mm -hmm. And we applied that towards nursing and towards some of these staffing roles to really help people get through COVID. And unfortunately, we lost a lot of money doing it um, because we put a lot of stuff into it. But I started to get calls. Uh, in fact, Forbes reached out to us and said, um, no, it was a hospital that reached out to us and Forbes that said, hey, I want you to know a lot of hospitals are recognizing you uh, for saving lives. I was like, saving lives? I didn't even thought about that. So not only were we usually it's hire people fast or save them money or, you know, help them grow the company. I've never heard saving lives. So that was a huge moment for us. Uh, put us on the map with Forbes. I think at the time it was a five star staffing firm. We were actually I looked at the categories. We were the youngest company in that category. Like I said before, I lost a lot of money doing it, but that helped put us on the map and that helped us grow and expand. And I, I tell everybody over here that that's we know one speed and that's growth and expansion. So in the longest way possible, I think that's what's really driven a lot of our growth over the last three years. I have to say, Matt, just listening to you, I'm really glad that you didn't end up as a finance guy, because I'm thinking <laughs> that if someone would have hired you as a finance guy with how you you are absolutely risk adverse and all of that, I don't know that they would have loved you as their finance guy. So I'm really glad that you ended up owning a, an executive search firm. My and, friends say and that all the time. <laughs> incredibly good at it. Um, so you're, you are, and, and this is one of the reasons why, um, not just the fact that you're a Titan, which, which I'm, I'm honored that you are um, a two-time Titan, because that, that just speaks volume to that organization. But this whole entrepreneur journey, obviously, um, you, you just talked about one. The setbacks are, are very real. And it, it takes a special person to be an entrepreneur and to um, get through those setbacks. So is there something that you face or a lesson that has been learned that would be helpful for that person who's thinking about being an entrepreneur or is in the middle of the entrepreneurial, you know, dog race that would help them um, to, to understand that, that not only are they not alone, but you can get through these setbacks? Yeah, well, no, uh, no matter what, it's always going to be scary. There's always going to be what ifs. There's always going to be the sleepless nights. I don't have the magic formula for that, unfortunately. Um, but I think in recruiting, we've been very blessed that we have a great amount, great clients, great candidates. They really mm -hmm. trust in our service and they give us the opportunity. And when you start hiring folks, uh, you get that same mentality, give them all the tools they need to success and believe in them. Um, for me, early on, um, when I had my second son, there were some things we had to deal with where, uh, unfortunately, I was not getting any sleep. And so I had to come in and it taught me to really trust my team, trust the folks that are here, you know, count on them to do things um, more or less because I had no choice. 
And so I think that was something that was instilled in me early on when you talk about delegating or, you know, outsourcing or how do you push things off your desk? Um, I, I had to do it naturally. Uh, I think that's really hard as entrepreneurs. You want everything to be perfect. You want it to be done right. And therefore, if you have someone else do it, you know, it's not going to be done as good as you will. So I started to embrace that. And I said, you're right. They're not going to do it the way that I'm going to do it. But sometimes they might do it better than I'm going to do it. Occasionally, they will do it not as good. And that's OK. It's a good learning experience and you can work through it. So I'd say one big thing is just be able to let go, be able to trust. Mm -hmm. You will get burned. I, I will promise you right now, there's no foolproof way to trust someone and not get burned. So expect it. Have safeguards in place. But if there's someone out there that can do whatever that one task is, almost, I think the, the great book I'm reading right now says that if they can do it 70% or better than you can do it, it's worth outsourcing to them or delegating to them and then coaching them up and how to do it. And for me, it was, you know, here's how I run the desk. Here's everything I do. And in my earlier hires, it was really just watch my desk, see how I do it. Now you work on this. Now you work on this. Mm -hmm. I was very lucky early on. I found a, I was hiring a marketing person and I found two of them that I really liked. And uh, I said, you know what? I'm just going to hire them both. So I hired them both and just continued to delegate as much as I possibly could. So delegate, trust, uh, you know, you there, you will make mistakes, but that's okay. You got to look at them as learning lessons uh, and then rebound and push forward. So are you still working at practice as well as running the company? I, I am. I um, I have this sickness that I really love recruiting. Uh, so I, I do. I run a full desk. Uh, I do more so on the account management side, but there's a lot mm -hmm. where I'll get searches that come in. And I know so many people. I love this search. I want to represent your company. And so I'll make calls on it as well. But I, I do still run a full desk. And that's also another reason why I have to trust my team as running a full mm -hmm. desk. Uh, it does take away from some of the CEO type activities. But the great news is I have such an amazing leadership team that's always wanting more. They're always pushing themselves. Uh, there's times where I'll just keep giving stuff to them until they tell me it's too much. And very rarely have they ever said it's too much. So I'm like, all right, let's just keep pushing. But to answer your question, yes, I still run a full desk and love it. That's amazing. So um, I know you're in YPO. We are all together. We're in Pinnacle Society, which is the top 80 recruiters in the country. It's a great organization. Um, that's actually where you and I, I think, initially met. I had heard of you and knew who you were, but but we actually met at Pinnacle. Uh, so I know that for me, my career has been enhanced by networking. So talk about that whole networking aspect. How has being in in you know Young Presidents Organization, YPO, how have all of that helped you with your career trajectory? Good question, because I get asked this a lot. You know, Matt, you're spending a lot of time in what can be viewed as non-revenue activities. <laughs> and, um, you know, when you look at boards and you look at other things you're going to do on, it's got to be one of two things. One, you got to be super passionate about it and love it. Um, or two, it's got to help you produce revenue. So when I, when I look at these groups, um, I, I think naturally I'm, I'm passionate about most of them that I'm in. Uh, and I, I just can't shut it off. Um, but I do feel as though you're, you're meeting with these folks. I never go around asking, Hey, I can help you recruit this. I can help you recruit this. In fact, I do the opposite. Whenever mm -hmm. someone's looking to hire or grow, I'll, I'll try to teach them or coach them. Here's all the things you can do to not even have to worry about using a recruiter. Don't pay mm -hmm. a fee. Do this on your own. Here's some, some strategies and tactics. Um, but you know, I'm also over there in clear sight. If they do need a recruiter, uh, they can always come to us. Um, it's been good from that sake of, of building the network, building, um, of course, trying to get more searches and help them out and help them grow. Mm -hmm. But it's also been good as a, as a peer group. Many of the ones you mentioned, um, you know, Titan, Pinnacle, 
uh, YPO. They're just they're great peers where you're among other folks that are dealing with a lot of the same challenges and issues you are. And I, I love learning from others. I love sharing a lot of what I've done, my my failures, my successes, both of them and what what's worked. And for me, what really fills my bucket is, is helping others, uh, regardless if it's revenue generating or not. And so I, I love being able to interact with a lot of those folks to give back. And um, I think it keeps me going, keeps the spark going. Yeah. All right. So we got to talk about some of the accolades. I mean, you okay. have a pretty impressive list. Uh, Arizona Business Leader 2023. You are just recently were awarded, I saw, uh, the second time as a Titan 100 CEO. And you were in the top 100 staffing leaders to watch this year. I mean, how cool is that? All that three. Was- so. What does that mean to you? I mean, you know, I know you don't do these things to win awards, but what does it mean when you continuously are getting recognized as a leader, a thought leader within the within the industry you serve and in just business in general? Yeah, I was asked this the other day too. It's it it's always very humbling. It, it never gets old. You don't get numb to it. Um, it, it does mean a lot that other folks are, are are nominating me for these things, and and of course putting. I mean, a lot of those uh, awards you mentioned, there's like a big process in order to nominate someone. So the, the fact that someone else is willing to do all that on my behalf really means a lot. And I don't ever look at it as me personally. I always look at it as the team. Mm-hmm. Like the the I can't do the things that I do without just a phenomenal team and foundation of folks with me. And so anytime we get any of these awards, it, it's really never an I, it's, it's a we. My whole team is part of it. They've always been there to help and push and motivate me. And I'm very blessed and fortunate to, to get a lot of these awards, to interact with a lot of folks that are part of it. But I couldn't do any of it without my team. So for me, each one of those, it's a team win, not an individual win. And I, I think most of them, I think, just enjoy just as much as I do. Uh, and it, it's very rewarding. Yeah. Well, congratulations. I'm very proud to call you friend with, with, uh, I mean, not only are you a wonderful man, but just, um, such an amazing business person. So it's just so great. Um, okay. So you established a resume and career services center. Um, curious, you know, I think you're probably experiencing the same thing we're experiencing, which I think our, our industry business as a whole has experienced this, um, lack of good talent or or struggling to find right what what our clients need to be able to grow their business so uh what sparked this venture and um how is that to help to augment your value proposition um at blue signal yeah so it's resume and career services it's one of our sister companies we started a couple of years ago and i've always had candidates come to me and be like matt i love your passion i love your fire is there is there any way that I can just pay you to market me to a lot of other companies out there. Yeah. And I said, well, the good news is we, we do that already for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's called NPC marketing. Um, and so I'm happy to, to take everything about your accolades and go to the clients that might potentially be interested in speaking to you and making calls on, on your behalf. Um, and so after a while, you just get so many asking you to, to pay them for it. And, um, you know, eventually you only have so much in the time of the day and you can only do it with so many of them. And I feel like you're not helping a good portion of that. So that's one mm-hmm. side of it. The other side of it is so many people, great thanks to our great marketing, great thanks to everything we do as as a company to get uh, positions and postings and everything out there. We get great people coming to us uh, and we don't always necessarily make a placement with them, which drives me crazy. I mean, with all the folks that come through, you know, we're talking maybe five to three percent are the ones that we're actually placing. Well, what about the other 95 percent? And I feel bad that we've never actually had an offering for them as well. 
And so this was designed to help give them the hundreds of years of recruiting experience we have mm -hmm. to them. So coaching for marketing themselves, interviewing for themselves, salary negotiation, all the stuff that they would normally get from talking to a headhunter, uh, they can now do for themselves uh, as far as resumes and applying and doing all that. So part of it selfishly, again, helping others was to make sure that I'm helping everybody that's coming mm -hmm. to the Blue Signal name and brand. We can help them all. Uh, the other part of it was there's all so many times you're on the phone with a candidate that you can't help. Well, now we can't. There's times you call a company and you say, hey, I'm a recruiter. Can I help? And they say, are you kidding me? We're having layoffs. Well, I can help there now, too. We can do mm -hmm. outplacement. We can do whatever. And so it really was a, a need of helping, but then also providing as much value as we can to both our clients and candidates, depending on how markets shift. If it's a hiring market, if it's a, uh, a less impactful market where there's there's downsizing and so I think that was the holistic view to, to do that and help everybody. And it's, it's been fun. It's a, it's a good adventure. It's so rewarding to get folks like, oh, I got this job. I got this interview. Thank you so much. Um, it's, it's very rewarding. So is that you have that set up as a separate business and do you have career coaches on staff? Is that um, so people can can actually kind of get a career coach to help them with their resume and all of that? Yeah. So the way it's set up, we have one of the best resume writers and, and career coaches here in Arizona. Very, very blessed to have her as part of the team. Her name's Amanda. And she came in. Uh, the goal was to help grow and build this. And then we have um, some support staff for her if it's just resumes or cover letters or doing LinkedIn profiles. And then depending on the person's background, we have all these courses and lessons they can sign up for and look through. They're all professionally recorded by some of our top recruiters. And then depending on what industry they're in or what they're looking for, they then get to basically sign up for one-on-one -on -one time with some of the mm -hmm. top headhunters in the country that work on that space. Um, so for example, I do a lot of telecom and executive search. Mm -hmm. And if anyone that ever has in that space signs up for the program, well, now they get to listen to me uh, and we get to talk through, hey, what companies are you targeting? How are you doing this? And I'm trying to give my advice and suggestions the best that I can. Uh, so it is having that instant access to a recruiter who would otherwise probably not give the time of day unless that your background fit exactly what their client needs. Right. So now our recruiters are motivated to work with that person uh, to give them the, all the time. Yeah, that's awesome. And that there, I agree. There's a lot of very talented people that don't necessarily fit our sweet spot. This is a way for you to be able to help them, which is perfect. By yes. the way, I do have to tease you a little bit, though. I can tell you still got that old MRI thing, MPC marketing. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, old habits die hard, right? <laughs> I know. I still call it that, too. So so I felt I was kind of happy that you called it that. So um, another thing that that in looking at all of your information is that 100 percent of your workforce has been trained in DE&I. Um, so I have two questions. One is, can you tell us a little bit about how that training impact your organization? And then I'm going to have a follow up question on some of the things I'm hearing out in the market and if you've um, had any impact on it. But let's start with, you know, you got everybody trained. Talk to me about that and how that how that made an impact. Yeah. So it's always been something that's been rather important to us. Um, some of the industries we work in were either, you know, male dominated or they just, they weren't as diverse as they should be. And so we've always just kept track of that. In fact, I had a client um, three years ago say, Hey, we're starting this new DEI initiative. Uh, is there any way moving forward that you can keep track of, you know, the ethnicity and the sex and all this? And I, I said, well, good news. We've actually already been doing that for you the last five years. Do you want to see that report? And like, are you kidding me? So, I mean, it, it's it's something that's always just been passionate for us. And it became big probably around the COVID time, maybe slightly before mm -hmm. then. I know it's been a big HR initiative. Um, and so we we did decide internally that this is something we're already doing. We want to get certified. We want to build our own training course. 
we want to make sure that we are doing this right every single time and we can show it. And so we're very proud of the fact that any recruiter that comes on board has to go through that training. They have to pass. They have to become certified. Uh, we had an amazing team over here in HR build out this training and, and we stuck to it. And uh, I wouldn't say we get a lot of clients that are coming to us because of the DEI DUI mm -hmm. training, but sometimes they do. And sometimes for us, it's just knowing that we're doing it the right way. So DEI has mm -hmm. always been something we've pushed internally and externally. And we've usually, um, for the, for the, for the most part, we get a lot of success and just always knowing that we're doing the right thing. We follow up with these types mm -hmm. of reports and it's across the board. It's had a big impact. Have you seen any challenge as of late? All of a sudden, it seems like, um, and, and this was a big, I, I made a point of setting a goal that I wanted to meet every Titan in the state of Wisconsin that I could. So, and I, I made it to about 40 and then I just like, ran <laughs> out of juice, right? Uh, but it was interesting dialogue around DEI and almost a little bit of a pullback because they said it was creating um, almost a a little bit of a divide on the other side of the equation because the focus was on diversity, inclusion, and not so much. I, do you ever hear anything? Do you do you have that challenge within any of your clients? Yeah, I mean, you, you yeah, you hear that. It, it's hard. There's there's a lot of naysayers out there and and folks that say, well, it's almost reverse discrimination now, and it's not fair that these other folks are getting into this school or getting into this job when I'm clearly more qualified, but they got it because of those other reasons. And so we, we hear it all the time. Um, our job for us internally and for all of our clients is to always show them the best candidates that are qualified no matter what. And it, we, they could say, hey, we're really focused on a diversity hire or we really want a female hire or whatever the case might be. Mm -hmm. That's fine. That doesn't change anything that we do. We're already making sure we send you the best. But I hear it a lot. Um, and I don't like hearing it. Um, right. But I, I do understand that you know, there's two sides to every coin and some folks get frustrated and they do feel as though they're missing out on opportunities because of it. And I just have to remind them that, you know what, if anything, use that to fuel your engine, fire it up. And maybe that wasn't mm -hmm. for you and go find something else that is. And just remember, it's all about accolades, experience, what you bring to the table and being the hardest worker in the room. And if you do all those and a company values you, it does not matter the color of your skin. It does not matter your sex. Just focus on the company that cares about you as a person and the work that you do. Yeah. I agree with that 100%. And, and you know, we've talked a lot about it isn't about color or it's not about religion. It's really about diversity of thought and bringing in people that can add value and innovation and creativity to an organization. But I was curious if you were dealing with any of that because we've it's it's like all of a sudden. So it's it's kind of bringing us back to, again, it's about innovation and creativity. It's not just about race and, and those sort of things. Um, executive search. I know you guys are in a lot of different industries. Um, do you tailor your approach in a unique way for any of your industries? Um, do you have specialties that you have to address in a different way than others? Talk to me, like if I was a candidate, I was coming to you um, in one of your industries. Is it is it a general approach? Do you have different different needs that are tailored? How do you do that? Yeah. Uh, so going back to the excellence thing, um, I get disappointed if a candidate or a client doesn't tell us, I've never had a recruiter do this. I've never seen this before. Mm -hmm. The information you're sharing, the stuff that you're going through. I fully expect someone to tell us this is the best experience I've ever had. 
um of course if i ever get a bad review or anything negative um you know everything you know record screech we gotta we gotta figure <laughs> out what we can do here um so we've always done uh, i guess when i when i share our process to others in the industry they always say wow you're doing a high level fully retained search um at contingency agreements and you know more or less we, we are because we fill over half of our contingent searches uh, so I can actually not lose money doing it now that one year we did, but for the most part, not lose money doing it. Uh, so we do apply a high level where we're doing custom brochures, uh, custom submittals, weekly updates, pulling everything we possibly can, trying to just be as transparent as we can on this search. Mm -hmm. And the nice part is the, that model works all across the board, except for staffing, which we'll get into here in a second. But for the most part, that model works all across the board and gets this high level of expectation. And that's why we fill most of our contingent searches. So when a client comes to us and says, here's my search, uh, can you do this on retained, engaged, or contingent? Short answer is we're going to work that search the same no matter which option you choose. Um, in some cases, it's better to do retained because I do have clients that, or candidates that will tell me, only contact me on your retained searches. I want to know the client's committed. Mm -hmm. um, but for the most part, I don't care which option you choose. It's going to be the exact same amount of work, the exact same steps. Uh, we'll get it filled um, or we'll get you as many candidates as possible um, to align you with what the today's market conditions are. On the staffing side, uh, learning that lesson uh, back in, in COVID, we realized you can't throw that same approach on the staffing side. So there are things that we've left out on the staffing side, but we still have a lot of high touch, high steps on the staffing side as well. And we're trying to, to push that business uh, as we move forward because we've had a lot of clients ask us about it. And it used to be, oh, I know some other firms I can refer you to. And a few of them just said, well, we'd really like to work with Blue Signal. Is there any way you can do it? And so that's what really pushed us into staffing. And now we're trying to grow that too. Yeah. How long have you been in staffing? Um, six years. I mean, slowly, six right. six or seven years. I had a, a client ask me back then. And um, I decided to go out because I, I did do it with MRI. They were doing staffing with, with Dick mm -hmm. and Anita back at um, O'Hare Search Group. And uh, so I was familiar with it. And I think it was actually one of those clients reached out to me years later and said, hey, you did the staffing for us. Then can you do it for me now? I said, you know what? I'll, I'll give it a go. We'll see what happens. And then one turns into 10. And so, yeah, about six years yeah. ago. So I know you are very involved in the Smith Kingsmore uh, Syndrome Foundation. Um, very personal. I think you um, are involved because of your, your son, correct? Yes, my youngest son, uh, Jameson. Yeah. Yeah. So can you tell us about that not-for-profit? And, you know, obviously most people who are curious about when you have someone who's as busy as you and, and the amount of involvement that you have in this foundation, how do you balance all those demands and make sure that, you know, you're doing all the things that you have to do during the day and, and you're still um, incredibly involved in this foundation? So how do you tell us about the foundation and then how you balance that? Yes. So Smith's Kingsmore syndrome is a very rare genetic disorder that my youngest had. And we did not know what it was early on, uh, nor did many. In fact, once we finally got the diagnosis, there was um, only 21 confirmed cases in the entire world. It was, wow. it was just because there's so much advanced genetic testing that wasn't covered by insurance. And, you know, mm -hmm. as a recruiter, we're very, I'm very impatient. My, my wife is, is also wants immediate results. So like, well, we got to get this. We got to figure out this. So we pushed it the, the entire way. And that's how we found out. And then um, we, my, my wife ended up going to one of the a conference uh, that was very small. They were talking about the genetic disorder. She met with uh, Kristen Roscoe, who is the um, president and founder of that group. 
um, was at the time. And she said, Hey, I'd love for you and your husband to be part of this. And so me and my wife were both part of this group as we um, started to push it forward. Um, she's no longer there, but I, I do try to give back and do whatever I can to help that group as much as I can. Cause you're right. It's very, um, personal for me. And I, it, it's wild because there was 21 cases or so when it first started and now there's over 300. So we've increased awareness. We've, uh, we know we give parents hope we give them, you know, here's what some of the issues are. Here's some of the challenges here, how you can deal with it. And just to create that network, to create that, um, communication and that educational exchange, uh, internationally too, by the way, we're working with translators to be able to communicate this because it's all across the world. And, um, yeah, it's very special, very passionate for me. Uh, that leads me into how I can do it is because it is something that I'm very passionate about. I mean, I will easily drop revenue producing activities to do this because it's something that fills my bucket. It's very close to home. I know I'm helping others. I've heard parents I've talked to that. Oh my gosh, thanks. Thanks so much for this foundation. And it gave me hope and it gave me this. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, you can't take the money with you, but the, right. the, the, the people whose lives you've changed and made those, uh, those memories, you know, that to me sticks with me. Uh, and so I want to try to create as many of those as I can. So how do I juggle that with everything else? Uh, it's not easy. And I, I don't want to, I don't want to pretend like I have the perfect formula because I don't, there are times where it it is a lot and I do get overwhelmed. And, uh, I would say I'm very fortunate to have an amazing wife who's always there and supportive for me and helping me out and at times telling me I'm overcommitting. But also, even though I don't listen to her when I overcommit, she's there to support me and help me out when I do get stressed out and overwhelmed. So I think having that family support structure is super important. And then I also think being able to prioritize what's truly important to you uh, as a person, not just mm-hmm. pay the bills, but as a person. Uh, what fills your bucket? What's your, you know, what's your why, so to say, mm-hmm. and uh, trying to do as many activities that that help that. And for me, it's Miss Kingsmore, clearly, for obvious reasons, I'm passionate about that. Recruiting, everyone's like, oh, it's a, it's a great lucrative business. But for me, there's so many lives that you change, whether it's a person mm-hmm. or it's the um, the client who's building a business or building something, you're changing those lives. And then the last, uh, you know, eight years or so, it's the employees now, the people that I'm hiring. I'm, you know, take, I don't want to say taking them off the street, but taking them with no experience and then creating this amazing lifestyle for them and being able to produce for their family and take time off and live life. And so those things really drive me to be able to help everyone do that. And that's probably how I'm able to push through when there's, you know, the 15, 20 hour days and sleepless nights uh, because it keeps me fired up. Well, and it's, it's interesting because when, you know, I've had people ask me about Pinnacle Society and joining and, um, I would say that's the common thread. The average tenure of a pinnacle recruiter is 26 years. And the common thread is we all look at the business from a very different perspective. It's not just about making money. That's a byproduct of transforming lives. And yeah. and um, when you take somebody who's trying to find their life vocation or, or support their family in a, a unique way and you can help them, or like you said, a company, and literally through the right hire, they have a transformation in their business. Um, it's pretty cool when that happens. And you've been in a long time. I've been in a long time. So we've been able to experience a lot of that, which keeps us in the business, keeps us coming back for more. It so truly does. You've been uh, at Blue Signal, obviously, over 10 years. And uh, there's been quite a metamorphosis of our lovely recruiting industry in that time. Um, what advice would you give? I mean, there's a lot of people getting into the business today and it's a very different business than when you and I first got in. What advice do you give your new hires? What advice do you give to someone who's listening to this that says, 
wow, he seems like he's doing great. I, I would love to get into recruiting. What advice would you give? Well, it's not for the faint of heart. Uh, I would say that. Um, <laughs> my old boss, Anita, who you know, uh, bless her heart, one thing she used to always say is it's like an airplane taking off. In the beginning, you're full throttle, you know, nights, weekends, 100-hour weeks, doing whatever it takes. Uh, eventually, once you get up to 30,000 feet, uh, you can, you know, back off the throttle a little bit. Uh, and there's times when it's more turbulent and you're going up and down, more throttle, less mm -hmm. throttle. Uh, so I, I think you have to have the stick-to-itiveness. You have to have the passion. You can't give up um, easily because it, it's, it, it is hard. It, it'll, it'll weigh you down. You will. There are times that you'll get hung up on and yelled at and just hear some terrible things and you have to know you're doing it for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. um, so if someone truly is wanting to get into recruiting today, you'd want to make sure it's the right reasons. Like you mentioned before, uh, one KPI that we use as a company, actually, it's not, we, of course we look at revenue and we want to stay profitable, but it's lives changed. We actually have that ticker of lives change and that's the most important thing. And so um, if you are passionate about that, if you are excited about helping people grow their career, help companies grow, um, and you think that this is something you want to get into, I'd say start looking online. There's so many videos mm -hmm. on what does it take to be a, a headhunter or an agency recruiter. And there's some videos that glamorize it. There's some that say this is this is terrible. This is a lot of mm -hmm. hard work. And I tell folks that are coming in here, the next six months of your life are over. I mean, you are nights, weekends. Uh, it is going to be so much work for these first six months to get ramped up. I do not want to, to, to sugarcoat it. Of course, we talk about work-life balance, but in those six months, mm -hmm. it is awful. And so I don't want there to be any surprises. Um, and of course, you know, I'll be there for them. I help them if, if there's any planning or whatever. I was with all my employees. They can always set up a 15 minute meeting with me at any time. Um, so, I, you know, nights, weekends, too. It's, uh, I always want to be there for them. But I tell them, be prepared. Uh, your family needs to be prepared because um, mm -hmm. you will have family events. You will have things going on and uh, they will make a sacrifice. And you want to make sure that you are all on board for this sacrifice because it's not just you. You can't be the selfish one saying I'm working all the time. It needs to be a, a big commitment. So whenever we do our, our pace setter meetings and, or events of some, you know, people hit a certain award, we go on a trip. I always do a thing where I always have the plus ones stand up and we do a special toast to them because mm -hmm. they're the real reason. You can't do it without that support. And so right. I want to make sure you're aware that it's a lot of hard work. You're aware it's going to suck a lot, too, in the beginning. Uh, but more importantly, you have that support structure to help you push through. And so that's the advice I would tell anybody. It's not easy. It's not glamorous. Uh, you really have to be passionate about it and you have to have the support structure to get you there. Great advice. We've, we've lived it and it's great advice and it really is true, especially the support system. Uh, yes. Without that, it's it's really hard to be, well, any entrepreneurial endeavor. It's hard if you don't have a strong support system. So we have some young listeners that uh, key into our podcast and, and listen. Um, so what advice would you give somebody who's just starting out in their journey. They want to be a leader. They maybe want to be an entrepreneur and start their own. Um, what advice would you give someone that's just getting ready to tap into that leadership journey? Hmm. Great question. So nowadays with all the tools, uh, AI and things that we have out there, I would actually mm -hmm. have them do some soul searching internally first, understand who they are, what makes, what makes them tick, what they're looking for, and then start playing around with some of the AI tools out there. There's ChatGTP, there's Bard, there's tons of them, but say, Hey, I'm really, really passionate about blah, 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 blah. And I really enjoy this. And, uh, in my free time, I like whatever it is, what kind of profession do you think would be good for me? Um, and there's all kinds of online assessments and all this too, but play around with it, go back and forth. And then when you land on two or three of them, 
look at those folks. Everything's online right now. So you can actually mm -hmm. see the people doing that job today. What did their career path look like? What are some of the roles that they were working on? See what's into that. Um, and as you're looking into the responsibilities and the tasks that these people do, and they have done their whole life, is it something that you would get behind and be passionate about? Um, and so I, for me nowadays that everything's online, there's all this, um, digital marketing out there about practically every career possible, mm -hmm. except for like the CIA and covert type stuff. Um, and if that's your jam tool, cool. I just, I don't know what, where to point you on that, but the rest of the stuff, it's all online. Do your research, do your homework, see what you're passionate about. Talk to people in the industry. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. They want to yeah. talk to you, reach out to them and say, Hey, I saw that you started your career here and you're doing this today. Can I buy you a cup of coffee? I'd love to learn about your career. And they will. Are you kidding me? People love to help each other, especially if you're going to be complimentary about their career path. Yeah. And talk to four, five, six. Make sure you're choosing the right path. Um, that that would be my advice. That's the advice I wish I got. Um, although I'm very fortunate that I just fell into recruiting because I probably wouldn't have landed on that. Um, but I think the more research you do, that way, once you're in the career, you're not going to second guess it. You're not going to look back mm -hmm. and say, well, what could have been? And maybe I should do this or maybe I should do that. Find your path. Stick to it. Of course, there'll be rough times. but And you can always adjust. Um, you know, the next what they say, by the year 2030, 80% of the jobs that are going to be out there, we don't even know exist right now just with the technology right. and things that are going. Mm -hmm. So it will adjust. But at least you have some foundation and you're not going to be wondering what could have been. I love the advice of using AI to start that that journey. I mean, I never thought about I mean we certainly use chat and and different things but I never thought about it to actually have that set up what are the different careers that you should look at great advice uh, how do people find you obviously our listeners may want to do exactly what you just said pick up the phone and say can I have a 15 minute chat so Matt give us the the uh, readers digest version here of how do they find Matt Walsh and Blue Signal well, they can always go to the website, bluesignal.com, um, and all of our contact info is on there. It's, you know, we're all, we're all recruiters, so we want to be found. It's all listed. <laughs> you can call me directly. You can email me directly or anyone on my team. We have phenomenal people over here, some that I idolize and look up to and put on a pedestal just because they're so amazing. So any of our team is, is amazing, but I'm happy to talk to anyone. They can reach out to me directly, uh, the, the website or LinkedIn page, um, either of those. Perfect. Well, Matt, this was delightful. Thank you for being willing to share your insights and all of your successes. Um, and I get to see you in a week. So I'm excited about that. We have our Pinnacle Society Conference coming up. So um, we'll get to spend some time together and, and maybe share a nice cocktail at the same time. I am really looking forward to it, Sharon. You are by far and away an icon in the industry. So the fact that you even asked me to, to come on this means a lot to me. And I very much look forward to spending some time with you here in a couple of weeks. Sounds great. All right. Big hugs. And we'll see you soon. Thanks again. Sounds good. Thanks, Sharon. Bye.